Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey folks, this is episode 41 of The Inferno. I'm Dana Scott with our great co-host, Seth Sabalas, the legend and former Suns player, former All-Star, as well as Dr. Patrick Patillo, a.k.a. Mr. Orange, the Suns superfan. And I want to give a shout-out and rest in peace to one of my childhood heroes that I just saw passed away, Mr. Carl Weathers. If That was really – that really hit me hard to see that on my feed because Carl Weathers, everybody knows him as Apollo Creed, but personally – I knew him as Action Jackson. I love that film, even though it's such a bad movie. <laughs> uh, did you I, love that film, or did you love Vanity in that film? That's the question we got to figure out. The fact, you know, I love Vanity and Sharon Stone in that film. Sharon, okay, okay. Sharon Stone also had top billing in that film as well. That was one of her first big film, uh, you know, before Basic Instinct, three years before Basic Instinct. And so, well, Carl, Carl got my heart in in, in uh, Happy Gilmore. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. that's when you saw a different side of Carl. Not too tough, not too suave and sophisticated. Just a, a down home guy trying to help a guy with his golf game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Those crazy scenes with him having his like fake hand ripped off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was kind of his comeback film in a way. Yeah. But I loved how, first of all, I went to see a Rocky Four when I was in kindergarten and it was after school and I don't know any brother who didn't get choked up seeing Apollo Creed get punched to death by Drago. And I certainly was like tearing up in the theater. I was five years old at the time. So um, I was a little younger. And you aged I, me right there, bro. Sheesh. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then I'm telling you, man, I just really, really enjoyed the seeing Carl Weathers also in Predator in that fight scene with the Predator, the alien. He got his arm shot off with the laser and he tried to pick up his arm that was still holding the machine gun, fighting with that with one arm that he had left and, until he got, you know, cut up by the Predator's talons. And, you know, Carl Weathers has some great films, great yes. films, great films. Yes. And uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to him before we get into this Sun stuff. Uh, this is a Sun's podcast, of course. And we're going to just discuss the Suns doing well, 11 and 5 in the month of January. So, this is a quick review of that, as well as Devin Booker getting his fourth All Star nod and how he can't miss more than uh, nine games going forward in order to get uh, All NBA honors and any year end awards, as well as Frank Vogel's image you know, going forward now that he has basically righted this ship with the Suns that that they're 28 and 20 at six in the Western Conference standings and they're playing the Atlanta Hawks on Friday night. So to start off, I wanted to ask said, is this good to have the small ball lineup uh, with the fact that the Suns are playing well having Kevin Durant play the five at sometimes? When basically to get more fluidity and you know with with guys basically getting out and running a little bit more pace as well as seeing 
you know, Devin Booker run the point, Bradley Beal, and those guys are healthy. And there's some continuity building with those three now that they've had a whole month under their belt. Well, let me say na 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 to all the uh, naysayers that said Devin's only going to get in on a controversial or somebody is going to get hurt or, you know, that type of thing as an all-star. The guy's an all-star. Give him his props. Uh, congratulations, Devin, on the fourth nod. Uh, you earned it, uh, truly earned it. So stop saying that he gets in because somebody is hurt. That's not fair to Devin. He's he's a great player. Uh, I, I think that, like you said, the continuity, Dana, of, of these three together is really coming along. I think the healthiness of, of all of them, the small ball, I always said, you know, Kevin is going to be dangerous. When when LeBron first got in the league, I thought LeBron was going to be the all-time leading scoring leader. And then I said Kevin was going to surpass him. Later on on his years, it's going to dominate the four and the five position because it's not only because of his height, because he, he may eventually gain weight, slow down, and his defensive prowess, the, the way he plays defense, and he wants to play defense. So uh, I, I think it's fine. I don't I don't think his career is at that point where he has to play the five, but it is a good uh, look for, for the Suns and what they're trying to do. As far as the trade deadline goes, I don't think they really need to make that move and try to get in the point guard in that situation. If they do uh, need to make moves, it has to be an enforcer position. Uh, you know, obviously we let Crowder go, but we need we need that enforcer position, a Draymond Green, a Crowder, uh, a person who's going to solidify uh, the defensive of, of orientation of the team. Now, he could be as, as, as big, uh, you know, as a center, or he could be as small as a holiday. You know, with Milwaukee, their defense has changed since he's been gone. Uh, but I think that that needs to be uh, uh, taken care of, not only not now during the second half of the season, but I think towards the playoffs, they're going to need to shut down particular players, especially with the Clippers playing unbelievable right now. They're going to have to eliminate one of those big three, uh, especially because all three of them can handle the basketball and, and create their own shots. Hey, Patrick, what do you say about this in terms of uh, getting a big at the trade deadline possibly? Oh, I think to me – on the line, what's said, if there's going to be somebody that is needed, and when I say somebody, it's something, obviously we have the closest thing to that is Grayson Allen, and he can fit that role of toughness if needed. I think we saw a little bit of it on the road trip, you know, when uh, Nurk defended KD uh, from like a brotherhood and protective you know, perspective and, and defending your teammates. I think letting this group flourish together and continue to build that chemistry camaraderie as opposed to for me making some big change or bringing in a piece that gets significant minutes and kind of messes up that rotation um, not necessarily in a negative way but you're trying to build you know that, that sustained piece and get rotations nailed and everything else and we haven't seen that enough you know as a, as a coach and you're getting all your players acclimated to each other rotations all of that takes time and so I we're not we're the Suns probably want to be, but they're they're seeing the benefits of what this can look like when all those pieces are together, trying to stay healthy and getting that that time together. I think this road trip is huge. You know, the longest road trip of the year. Set has talked about numerous times what the road trips do for teams. And so uh, both from a record perspective, but also, you know, that chemistry, I think coming out of this road trip is going to say a lot for what it, the team will look like going down the stretch of the season before the playoffs. So for me, I don't, I don't think there's any 
major changes that I would recommend if I were the GM or I would want to pull as opposed to letting this, you know, continue to work through, um, continue to build upon all the great things that, you know, the Suns are seeing and then fine tune those areas of opportunity that kind of keep popping their head. But that's what I would do to approach it. Nothing major and, uh, you know, no, no big piece swings. So you're saying that Grayson Allen should go back to being that heel that he was at Duke and basically tripping people and doing no, not not to that extreme. No, well, no, no. You and know what no, I mean? There's no going back to it. He is who he is, right? But yeah. they haven't needed that, right? And the role yeah. that he has played and filled has been huge. Right. Um, but everyone in the league also knows, you know, who he is and what he is. And so, um, you know, should that be needed, you know, he he will he'll be able to reach down and and you know, go to that mode if he needs to. But I think that that's been huge where no one expected, you know, Grayson Allen in particular to deliver and be as reliable as he has been. And so that's kind of another added bonus, you know, when you look at what he's added to this unit, especially with all the injuries early in the season. And I yes. don't think there's been enough time to, for the officiation, the officials to sway towards him on his defensive side. I mean, obviously, like you said, back in his college days, that's what he was, a tyrant. But I don't think he's proven that in the NBA enough to the officials. Now, the players know, but the officials to give him calls like or, or non-calls like they give Draymond, like they give Crowder, like they give Holiday, uh, that that push shove and, and, and irritate you uh, to a point, uh, like, you know, kind of like how Dennis Rodman used to do and, and not be able to foul out, not get himself in foul trouble. Yeah, and also back then, of course, it was a different NBA with Dennis Rodman where he used to basically throw dudes around like Pippen and Jordan you know, with the Jordan rules era back when those Bulls-Pistons uh, series uh, in the playoffs happened in from 89 to 91, I believe. And so, uh, or 88 to 91, I believe. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I think that Frank Vogel said that he likes Grayson Allen and he understands that he's an irritant. It didn't call him a dirty player. And Grayson Allen is basically the best shooter in the NBA right now at a 50-50-90 split right now. And that's pretty rare. And I think that's because of Devin Booker opening him up as well as Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. When those guys are on the floor together, they're able to attract that much attention. And Grayson Allen gets those sweet spots and his wing also in the corner threes where he can just nail them uh, for when they basically drive and then they kick it out to him uh, or they get that extra pass uh, to, to get him open. So I do like the prospect of, of Grayson Allen being that enforcer, but also I think what they need down the, with, if they're going to make a move, they're going to need rim protection to go up against the Zubatses of the Clippers and Jokic's of, you know, Jokic of the Nuggets and maybe Anthony Davis if they do somehow uh, face the Lakers in the playoffs, uh, depending on where they are in those five through seven spots if the Lakers figure out a way to right the ship um, and, and they do find their way into the playoffs through the play-in tournament. So, um, and then there's Rudy Gobert. If they get that far, you, the Timberwolves are number one in the, in the West and he's basically the running uh, the, the front runner for defensive player of the year right now, in my opinion. And also uh, you got guys that are big for OKC and, you know, Chet Holmgren. So you're going to need, not to say that he's a, a big guy, but he is a shot blocking threat. So you're going to need guys that are going to have to overpower those types of guys or go, you know, basically ironing, iron sharpening iron. And that's what I like. Uh, now, speaking of Devin Booker, he got his 
fourth all-star nod, and he is the Western Conference Player of the Month of January. He averaged 30 per game, and also there were that stretch that he was Western Conference Player of the Week. Last week, he averaged a stretch of 42 over three games. I mean, he's been on a, a tear, and so I, I think with those votes that came out that he was not in the top and he wasn't put as a starter as he should be, uh, he said it doesn't matter to him. Uh, he's just a guy who likes to go out and ball. But do, do you believe that? <laughs> that it didn't matter to him? Said, I'll let you go first on that. Uh, it matters, but you got to understand, you know, Devin is not a marketing genius. I mean, he's not going out really, really promoting himself. I mean, every now and then he, uh, you know, he tweets some cars or some dogs or, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, even with his outfits, I thought the young kid and uh, OKC, his outfits, you know, take him over the top, kind of like the Kanye West of the NBA. Uh, so and, and and he's having a great season, too. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, it, it's just it's just popularity votes. It, it, it's just it's people they wanted to see him. Uh, it's kind of hard to make. You know, just think of the decision they had to make by dropping Curry out the starting lineup. Yeah. So you know, it, you got to think that Curry is. You know, he's the number one selling jersey in the NBA right now. And the fact of the matter is, he's not even a starter. So uh, I, I don't think he, he thinks about it, but I think he understands exactly what's going on. And uh, uh, you know. Uh, the young kid has really got really got to play well, and and he dresses, he fashion me well, and you know and that whole thing, and he really gets out there on social media. And, and Devin is kind of relaxed; he's chill. Yeah, and also Devin is number seven in the top fifteen list that came out earlier this week for the top selling NBA jerseys, and Kevin Durant's number eight. So they're in the All Star game together. Steph Curry's a legacy guy, uh, you know, for the All Star game, and so he's going to get votes. But I really blame the player votes too, because some of those players they have those fun uh, type of uh, votes where they're voting for guys like Steve Adams, who who's been hurt all year, just got traded to Houston from Memphis, and you know they're voting for uh Thanasis uh, uh you know you see that that was crazy it's weird stuff that players like to do and those votes should be going to Devin if anything yeah. but what, what's your take on this Patrick I think uh I expected no less of a response to book but you know deep down inside absolutely I mean I don't know what NBA player you know that wouldn't matter to and wouldn't be humbling and honoring especially you know it's one thing to be a starter obviously but then the vote that comes specifically from the coaches, I think that that carries, you know, a different weight uh, on you as an athlete, you know, knowing that coaches recognize that talent because it's very different than the starters where you have all of the fans and the media and, and so many people that, you know, contribute to that vote where this one is is uh, coming, you know, just from those coaches. So I definitely, one, well-deserved, of course, uh, two, um, you know, he just has that humble approach that he takes when, you know, he has anything that mentions him, you know, obviously if he's scores, uh, you know, 70 or more in a game and, and they lose, he's not happy about that either. And truly, I believe that. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we saw that again this year where he had a, a stellar performance and we still, you know, took the L. So I think that's just who he is. And uh, that's what we've come to love as Suns fans of Booker. Yeah. Can the Suns afford to rest him going forward, though? The, he can only have nine more games until he's no longer uh, in the All-NBA uh, consideration as well as year-end honors. And so he's having this great year, and you see what's happening in Tyrese Halliburton, and you see what's happening with Joel Embiid, and this talk of uh, basically guys that are forcing their ways possibly to get to that 65-game threshold that's now part of the new collective bargaining agreement. 
that you have to have that to, in order to you have to basically play up to 65 games in order to be eligible. And if you play less than that, you are not eligible, no matter how great of a year you're having, no exceptions. So can, with the Suns, they are basically telling everybody, this is where we are. We are a mid to possibly early, like sixth spot in the Western Conference through the end of the season. January pretty much tells you what the playoff picture might shape up as going forward, unless teams go on a deep run like the Celtics did in 2022 towards the finals against the Warriors. But can the Suns afford to rest him to ramp up for the playoffs? Or do they need to keep playing him at the point? A tough scenario, especially if you're asking an old head like me. Yeah, I'll need you to play all 82 games, and I don't need no more nonsense out of that. Can't play. I don't want to hear no resting. Uh, uh, it, you know, you know the way we used to do it for those youngsters out there is, you know, he's he's still paid like with Barkley or Magic and, and and Shaq and those guys when I played with them, and they needed to rest. They just played minimal minutes, but they still played. You know, right. uh, or you know, or 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 you know, I I can remember Charles even saying sometimes, "Hey man, I'm tired. Let's put these cats away first quarter so I can rest." You know. Uh, something like that. But I love the NBA for, for implementing that. Um, it, it's tough if you're really, really hurt and if you're just trying to log minutes or, or not log minutes. Uh, it's tough on the fans. Just like the other day, you know, Boston and Lakers play and Anthony Davis and LeBron James are out on a national televised. This is a, a world-renowned rival. Like, I love – I always said that they play – the Lakers play better when LeBron is out because they play harder. It's kind of like having a crutch – uh, you, that leg is not going to get stronger, which you're using that crutch all the time. When he's out, they play harder. But, uh, you know, I was geared up. You know, I was ready for this game, and, and, and you know, both of them don't play. So, uh, Devin is, is is tough. Hopefully these nagging injuries that has that's been plaguing him don't come around, uh, make him a lot stronger. But I think uh, I'm not the coach or the GM, uh, but I would just minimize the minutes. You know, get him, hey, Devin, you're only playing 20 minutes a day. Go hard to 10 minutes each half. And, you know, Devin's capable of getting 40 in 10 minutes and 20 minutes. You know, he's capable of doing that. So if he's trying to keep his average up or the votes on at the end of the season, he can do it. Quick aside before yeah, Patrick goes, real quick. So the threshold is 20 minutes in order to be considered for playing a game. That's in the CBA, as well as D'Angelo Russell uh, playing harder. Those are the guys that you basically – when LeBron's out, you don't you have to account for other guys that you didn't know were going to basically rise up. And I think with D'Angelo Russell, he's playing as well as he did against the Celtics, and he, as he has lately, he knows that he's on the trade block. So he doesn't want to leave Los Angeles for a second time because he knows that the rumors are out there and speculations out there for him possibly going back to Brooklyn or somewhere else in a package deal. So. Maybe that's why he's like, you know what, I'm going to step up because I ain't trying to get moved anywhere again to a fourth team because he's been with L.A. and then he's gone to uh, to Brooklyn and then to Minnesota and then back to L.A. playing for the Lakers. Uh, but, yes, yeah, sorry about that, Patrick. Go ahead. No, 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 but uh, tied to that, to wrap that point up, it, it, went, it wasn't even just him yesterday. Austin Reeves was on fire. Yeah. Um, to Seth's point, as a coach, you – game plan and obviously those are two huge pieces you're game planning around LeBron and uh, AD and when both are pulled 
that that changes everything. So everything you prepared defensively and all your offensive sets are all um, all have to be adjusted last minute. And and then obviously again, Austin Reeves stepped up huge, and Russell's been you know on fire for the past week or so. Um, but you know, yes, extremely disappointed. Said same sentiment. One, the fans that only get to see them one time a year in Boston uh, didn't get to see either of them play. So the continued fan uh, disappointment piece comes in. Uh, look, rest. You know. Like, just limit your minutes. I'm not a fan, even my athletes. Like, you need to be playing unless you have a serious injury that needs to be treated. And that's not a, oh, we're day-to-day with this piece. You get it treated, fixed, and go. If it's something you're just hurt or it's a pain, no, you got to play through that. And again, at the NBA, that's that's your job. You know, you're getting paid millions to do that. And so as fans, we pay a whole lot of money to to go watch that. And so that's continually disappointing as for the Suns and Booker. Unless, and I know Book does not like to sit, you know, so unless there's something happening or an injury that's requiring that, there shouldn't be any of the conversation about book resting we just talked about the chemistry and the big three and the whole unit getting that understanding and feel down that has to continue and even if it's limited 10 minutes and a half okay but at least you can get those 10 minute glimpses with the sets you need and those rotations um you know and and to build upon that not have to worry about resting and then are you not eligible for an award and look if it's that bad where you can't play 65 games you're either choosing to have that happen or you have some type of injury that needs to be treated, you know, appropriately. Um, but I, I'm not a fan of any of that. I think the 65 games is more than fair. Um, so, you know, hopefully Booker stays truly healthy. And then outside of that, there shouldn't be a rest conversation happening, um, especially with the the group that we have in Phoenix. And since we're on this soapbox about that, uh, it, it's another thing that they, that the blame is not going to the coaches because you have to develop those players. Like just prime example against the Boston Lakers, those players can play, but they get limited minutes because LeBron is playing 50, 40, 48 minutes. They playing like they're logging all these minutes because I don't know why. Uh, but you know, I mean, I've always said this. I love LeBron. I, I you know, I think he will be go down as the probably all around best player to, to ever play a game. Not the goat, but the best player. But he he should be your third best player on your team at this point in his career. You right. should have a, a bigger two bigger stars that can go regular season. Now, playoffs is a different scenario. LeBron will turn it up to another level. But regular season, you need two players that's on Anthony Davis level or, you know, so to speak, in, in, in front of LeBron. He should not be your best player on your team during the regular season. He, he's too old. That This is why that Laker team played so well with, with him when him out because they, they're fresh legs. You're playing against younger kids. He's playing against kids that weren't even born when he was in the NBA. It's no, I don't care how much money he puts into his body. Those younger players, if when they learn the game, he's not going to be able to stay with them. Uh, he, he lacks on defense, but this is not a Laker podcast. It's a Suns podcast. That's no, all good. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that you're right because those usage rates actually get more balanced among the players when Anthony Davis and LeBron are out because they're not playing that two man game that they do with those, you know, pick and roll lobs that they do and such. Yeah. So I understand. Uh, but when it comes to a former Laker coach, Frank Vogel, in his image, where does that stand now that the Suns have basically turned it around and are as good as they are heading into Friday's game at 28-20 and 20 against Atlanta, at Atlanta? Well, I think his, his reputation preceded himself. When he came in, everybody wanted the defense to be on point. They knew firepower with Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, Bradley Bill coming in and, and Devin, obviously Devin Booker, uh, the baby assassin. 
uh, that they didn't have a problem scoring points. That was not the problem. It was a defensive promise side. Uh, but I think once they got healthy, now you can start grading him and see how he is as a coach because you to have a pleated roster, uh, you really can't predict on what you can or cannot do. And, and that's why you play this season is to get ready. Uh, so once 75% of the season is gone, that's when you can whip out the great card and, and see how he's doing as a coach because, uh, you know, you took care of the injuries, you took care of the chemistry, uh, you, you took care of the awareness and time on the court. And now let's see what we could do going into the playoffs. So, so far, you know, thumbs up when he has everybody rolling in shape, uh, not hurt, um, and, and, and they're playing against competitive teams. Patrick, what's your take on where this Suns team is now with Frank Vogel? And a lot of times people have gone from saying that he's not the right guy to now where everything is roses. I mean, what's new, right? As coaches, you you produce or you don't. Even when you produce, look at this year in the NBA and all that's going on with who potentially could be coaching the All-Star game. Uh, nothing is guaranteed. So I think every coach... Uh, on the planet understands that and no one better than those in the NBA, you know, on the highest stage. So um, I'm sure, you know, Frank Vogel, he said when he had his conversations with Matt Ishbia, nothing but supportive. So, um, you know, you, you have to weather the storm, you have to navigate through that. And I think, you know, this is just part of that entire process. And um, as long as you have your guys responding and you have the respect of your team and, and they listen, then, you know, that that's the most important. If you lose your locker room or your leaders, um, um, then, then you're lost, and and it doesn't matter how good you are or not. So as long as uh, Frank Vogel and and the team have that together, and they protect their culture within their circle and their locker room, um, they they know what they're working towards and building, and ultimately making sure you get into the playoffs is what matters, especially in the West, um, and trying to avoid the play-in. Uh, and then from there, you know, every matchup uh, is probably going to be you know a, a dogfight as you look at how many great teams are in the West. So um, I think it's just you know as to be expected, especially you know early on, every time the big three touch the floor and the, there wasn't a victory it's like what's going on Frank Vogel this and that and um, really the discount of understanding how much team chemistry matters and especially with not one two but even three um, prolific scorers that that takes time to navigate and figure out for everyone um, on top of learning a new system with a new coach and and the coach learning you so um, again just part of the the process and have to continue to evolve it and you know as long as they all are on the same page I think we'll continue to see uh you know, great things from the Suns overall. Yeah, I understand. And quickly before we go, I wanted to ask about the Hawks, being that they are sellers in a lot of the reports about who they're trying to get off the books. Clint Capella being one name that I have had a lot of interest in for several years now. Should the Suns consider getting a big like Clint Capella to basically add as a rim protector and as a lob catcher for the playoffs to back up Nurkic when they basically are going to need that going up against the bigs that the West basically has in, in so many ways that we discussed earlier. Yeah, Clint is a definitely uh, a candidate for that slot. I think he plays, he can play up-tempo, he can slow it down uh, and play that way. He doesn't need the basketball, which <laughs> is great for a, a team with, the, with with ball handlers and and. and shot creators as the Suns have. Uh, I, you know, I, I just thought about that, man. His fire has flamed out a little bit in in, in Atlanta. And it's not as dangerous as it was when in Houston, but I guess, uh, you know, you, you, could, you could probably point that to Trey 
because not making an all-star team with him, he's not playing, I think, to, to, to his best abilities as well because when he was in Houston, he had James Harden, you right. know, really creating everything for him and, and getting him off and getting lobs and, and creating all that stuff. So, uh, and I think Atlanta, it, it, if anything, they've slowed down a little bit. And I don't know if that's because of the coaching change or everybody wants out of the chemistry. I'm not really sure. I, I, I haven't really followed the Hawks, but that is a good plug right there. I never even thought about Clint. And uh, but uh, you know, does the contract fit, and 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 is he on his last his extension? All that stuff. James Jones has to work out. Yeah, they're twenty one million over the uh, the second apron right now at, for the Suns, but Clint Capella is owed twenty two, um, uh, actually twenty million this season and twenty two next year, and that means that Nurkic is actually getting sixteen point. Eight, so they need a guy like Nurkic, who's one of the best passing bigs in the league, but Clint Capella can kind of complement him in a way that he comes off the bench. Drew Eubanks is basically for the energy and such, but if you get a, rid of a guy like Eubanks, who's starting to play well a little bit, showed some flashes of what he was doing earlier in the year, and pony up him for a guy like Capella and maybe throw in Bull Bull or some other rotation guy, like a, a guy that's not in the rotation maybe like uh, Jordan Goodwin and uh, say somebody like Yuta Watanabe for three-point shooting, then possibly do you think that could work, Patrick? Yeah, of course it could. I think, um, you know, someone as, as good of a caliber as Clint Capella, I don't think James Jones wouldn't be entertaining how that could work at all. Um, and so if there's a will, there's a way there. So, you know, that that's – where that will come from. I don't think, again, as I said earlier, anything major should happen that, you know, shifts a bunch of pieces. But um, if there's a way to, to, get, to make that work uh, financially and make sense, especially, you know, at this point in this season particular, um, you know, that's kind of one more piece that would really set up when you're looking at matchups in the West. And then, you know, uh, should you get to the NBA finals and, you know, what could be waiting on the other side, I think it definitely would add value. Um, but again, not at the cost of, you know, disrupting a lot. Yeah. Well, I think BBD needs to have a conversation with themselves. That's Booker, Bill, Durant. You see what I did there? <laughs> now, uh, I know what uh, you did. I do it the same thing, right? <laughs> I think they're having a conversation with themselves on what they actually need, uh, you know, what, and what they would actually want, and then go to James or James, vice versa, go to them uh, and, and try to figure that out. Uh, you know, I've always been a Maxi Kleber fan that's not really getting utilized in Dallas. Uh, even his uh, former teammate that's in Brooklyn, uh, Vinny Smith, uh, the fact that, you know, that toughness on defense is there. He's a stopper. He can guard uh, all the Clippers' big three uh, as well as rebound and also get out of everybody's way and shoot the three. Uh, but I don't know if they're up for the block or if they're up for trade. I'm not really sure. But um, I, I think that when they talk to the big three and, and try to figure out exactly what they want, I think that's – that's what they really need. Because the person who comes in is not going to stratosphere their sons. Yeah. They, they're just going to, you know, take care of about 15 minutes that they're missing. 15 minutes in that game that they're missing uh, to really, you know, win games over our Clippers or the Denver Nuggets or stuff like that. Uh, so they take care of that 15 minutes. Uh, that That's what's going to win a championship for them. I think what they have now on, on, on their bench and in their staff is good enough to win a championship. Uh, but the 15 minutes is like, you you know, things have to go absolutely right for 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 them to do it. Yeah, I remember the Celtics did that in 2008 when they traded for James Posey. You know, they got a guy that just basically can play the wing and also yeah. can be 
you know, in the block as well and can stick threes and just get out and run. And the, the Suns actually need a guy that could just give them a complimentary type of uh, play inside. And that's where I think that they're missing right now, if anything, you know, because it's fool's gold if they make this great run in January, have a decent February, and then March it all starts to kind of see the injuries come into play and then they start to fall off a little bit into the playoffs and then they go kaput. So uh, I, I definitely feel like that's where the Suns shouldn't be, but where they might want to consider things. But I thank you all for coming on. And a uh, real big, quick shout out about BBD. My favorite songs from them was I Thought It Was Me and Dope. Definitely not Poison, even though shout out to my man Keith Shockley from the Bomb Squad who helped produce that track. So... Uh, that was my definitely uh, two of my best BBD songs back in the day. Who are your BBD tr favorite tracks? What would it be? Favorite uh, see track? you smile. I'm, I'm a slow jam guy, so <laughs> see you smile. See you smile. <laughs> <laughs> but the broken hearted in you, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I apologize. I can't hit the oh, high note like Ricky, man. man. Yeah. I can't hit the high note like Ricky. And did Where's you ever Simon, get? Simon, what yeah, man, uh, and a shout-out to D-Train. Do you ever get in touch with D-Train? Talk to him? Yes, I did. We're going to lock in. Yes, we will. Beautiful, no doubt. All right. All right, thanks, guys. And uh, to the next episode at 42, this is the Inferno Podcast signing off. Dana Scott for Seth Sabalas and Patrick Batillo saying peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.